You're listening to the P is for Profit podcast with Adam Lean, where it's not about how much you make, it's about how much you keep and how much freedom you enjoy. Welcome to P is for Profit, a podcast that breaks down business concepts into simple and clear language. This season is dedicated to interviewing e-commerce experts that can help you improve your e-commerce business. I recently had the pleasure of interviewing the founder of a business that helps e-commerce businesses define their marketing strategy and scale their advertising and hire the team needed to get to the next level. So why does all of this matter? Well, you must have a strategy to be successful in business. What exactly is a strategy though? Well, a strategy is simply a plan of action designed to achieve something. So there's two parts to this, a plan of action that's designed to achieve something. So let's start with the second part. A strategy is designed to achieve something. Before you can even create a strategy, you have to know what you want to achieve. You have to know where you are going. So when's the last time you thought about that? Where does your business want to be in three to five years? What is your business on a mission to do? Why should anyone care? Why should your employees care? Why should your customers care? Why should you care? Once you come up with what you want to achieve, you then got to create the plan of action to get there. Now, this, of course, is the hardest part. Knowing how to get from point A to point B to point Z is difficult. That's why it's a good idea to seek the help of people who can help not only define a strategy, but give you specific direction on how to accomplish it. So let's jump into the interview with Austin and see how he and his team help businesses with creating a strategy. Austin, welcome to the show. Hey, Adam. Thanks so much for having me. I am, uh, I'm excited to be here. Excellent. So you are a true expert in helping e-commerce uh, business owners grow their brand, grow their business. Uh, and so you're the perfect expert to have on the show. Uh, I have tons of questions that, that I have and I know our audience has. So let's dive in. So you're, you own, you're the CEO of Brand Growth Experts. Com. So how did you get to this point? What's your background? Sure. So it's been kind of a long, uh, a long road of trying different things, but the whole time, you know, generally being interested in entrepreneurship and uh, being fascinated by online marketing. Uh, back when I I graduated from college. I spent some time abroad on a on a Fulbright fellowship where I was teaching English. And when I was over in in Macau, China, uh, I got I was over there thinking I was going to go into investment banking. I had kind of a change of heart. Had an interesting con- like interesting went to an interesting conference where I learned about this concept of entrepreneurship, kind of what that is, and I got really excited about it. Came back to Los Angeles after spending a year abroad, and I started working with this this startup. Uh, really interesting cool startup who was putting healthy vending machines in schools with kind of a franchise model. And I got started, I got there, got started there as one of the first employees. And um, when I say first employees or third employee hired um, at at that time. And my job initially was to work with the CMO, who's also the co-founder and start, we basically built out a lot of triggered emails. So marketing automation using email marketing. And it went really, really well. We were using a tool called Infusionsoft. And um, Infusionsoft 
at the time was kind of the coolest, most powerful tool for 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 automation and email marketing. And mm-hmm. they got really into it. We started building this really interesting funnel. About two and a half years later, I left the company after we'd grown substantially. And I went out on my own and I was like, I'm, I think I could take the stuff that I learned here and transfer it over to these e-commerce businesses and help them grow and build a more profitable business by using email marketing. Because it's a really, I realized it was a great way to drive repeat purchases and to increase conversions by using email. So I started picking up my first clients, a company called Blenders Eyewear down in San Diego, and a second company called Pure Vita Bracelets. And I basically just used Infusionsoft to implement these triggered email marketing automation campaigns, uh, like abandoned cart campaigns, browse abandonment, welcome sequences, all this stuff. And it worked really, really well. And uh, at that point, it was five years ago or so, and we ended up going and building an email marketing agency for e-commerce businesses. And uh, that went that went really well. Had some really cool clients. Um, companies up to, I think the, the largest client we had was doing almost $80 million in sales, and we were building out their email marketing for them. But I, I knew I didn't really want to build an agency because it wasn't my wasn't my plan. So I, at one point, uh, my business partner and I kind of split up and I went back to the drawing board a little bit and did some consulting and said what I really was interested in was helping business owners, e-commerce business owners grow and not just focusing on email. And that's when I started Brand Growth Experts. And we started focusing on really the three things that we feel like we see a lot of business owners struggling with, which is Scaling advertising, uh, hiring, and and really focusing on like driving repeat sales, and so that's been our been our focus at Brand Growth Experts. And I built uh, a, a big kind of membership group of people, businesses who are trying to scale up and grow, and we're going to all working together to achieve that goal. Wow. Okay. So I have several questions here. Story is very fascinating. <laughs> what is the biggest I mean, five years in internet technology world is a, you know, is a lifetime. What are the biggest changes that you've seen in email marketing from five years ago to today? So biggest changes are definitely the technology has improved to the point where we're not dealing with the same technical limitations that we used to be dealing with. A lot of the limitations that you're dealing with now with business owners, it's more strategic. And the, the you know, companies like Clavio, a company that rolled out about four or five years ago, have really made it easy for people if they have a Shopify business to be able to, to look at their data and target people, target their customers based on previous interactions and previous purchases. And so we're definitely dealing with... like When I, when I started five years ago, this is the same with, with platforms as well, like uh, you know carts. There was a lot more technical limitations. Now it goes back to a lot more strategic and creative limitations, and that's just because the technology has improved so much. It's a lot more. You have to be. It's a lot more competitive because now you don't just have to send the emails. You actually have to create a compelling reason to send them and and be a little bit more uh, just compelling with your creative. Yeah. So, is email marketing dead? as a lot of people online like to say? 
on yeah, that, um, that, that, that's one of those things that really frustrates me because <laughs> it, it, it's a, it's definitely a, a, a clickbaity type post. And, you know, we live, we live in a time where a lot of blogs, news agencies are really focused on just getting clicks and have really very little uh, backlash when they put out information that is, that is not true. Um, and yeah. one of the things that I've seen consistently over the last five years is these messaging like email marketing is not working as well as it used to or it's dead. And But consistently, time and time again, when I go and I dive into uh, working with clients, these com- companies that are growing really fast, the, fat, the, the, like, the best performing clients that I have, email is their number one or number two channel across the board. It's it's yeah. still number 1 or number 2 and depending on the time of year, it, you know, around the holidays it's almost always number 1. Um there's differences with email. It's it's not as easy as just kind of spraying and praying and blasting out as many emails as you can. You do have to be a lot more strategic and and your creative needs to be better, your copywriting needs to be better, but is it it's, it's extremely effective and it's a complete uh, mistake if people are overlooking the power of email. Yeah, no, I totally agree. And I think you hit the nail on the head. I mean, you know, what worked five, 10, 15 years ago with email marketing doesn't work now. You've got to be more strategic. And so it's certainly not dead if you're doing it right, if, if you're doing it right and have some strategy and intent behind it. Um, Ex- so, exactly. Yeah. The three things that you focus on, scaling the advertising, hiring, and uh, driving repeat sales. So let's talk about scaling advertising. So what is what do you see is working now in the year 2019 and that, that people need to be paying attention to in terms of advertising? Sure. So, I mean, a lot of the same stuff that has been working for the last couple of years is continuing to work, uh, despite what what a lot of people, a lot of experts have said. Uh, there's going to be changes. A lot of the same things are working. So we can start with paid social. You know, for for many companies, direct to consumer companies or people selling products that are, you know, their end user is not a business user. Facebook and Instagram are still very very effective, and. The only difference really between now and a couple years ago was that prices have increased. But as prices have increased, targeting's also changed. There's been a lot of improvements on that end. So a lot of the, the things that have been working for the last couple of years are continuing to work. And that's the, starting on the, on, on the traffic side, paid social. It's continuing to work. It's just a little bit different. And you still have to be, when, when you're talking about scaling it up, you have to be cognizant that it is not as cheap as it used to be. Things are, the prices are going up. So you need to factor that in when you're building a business and you're thinking about a business that can scale up, that you're going to need to be paying more for advertising. But it's still something that's definitely working. Yeah. So one thing I preach is that it doesn't matter how much you make, it matters how much you keep. And so the inverse can sort of be true with, if I'm hearing you correctly, and the inverse can sort of be true with advertising. It doesn't really matter how much you spend. It matters how, what matters more is how much return on the spend that you get, right? Yeah, 100%. And 
um, when I'm thinking about advertising and kind of scaling up advertising, there's ultimately two sides. There's two types of businesses. There's a demand capture and a demand generation business. And if we're talking about scaling, we're typically talking about more demand generation businesses and demand generation advertising. And that's like the paid social type stuff or podcast advertising um, or you know, t- television advertising, it's all more demand, can be more demand generation. But what you're saying is very true. It doesn't really matter how much you're spending and if prices are going up, as long as your business ha- it fundamentally can spend the amount that you need to spend to advertise and still at the end of the day, turn a profit. And the businesses that are continuing to be able to grow using these paid social channels are the ones that have factored that into their business model and have a product that can sustain that. And that's typically, you know, they have the right average order value, a high enough average order value and a high enough lifetime value that they can pay the fees they need to pay to Facebook and still be profitable at the end of the day. Yeah. I mean, one thing I've noticed over the past several years, I started my first e-commerce business in 2005. And back then it was obviously totally different. One thing I've noticed, though, is that it, the barrier to entry, and you sort of alluded to this earlier, the, the barrier to entry to start a business, or I think you were talking about email marketing, is so much easier now because there's this technology out there that exists that didn't exist you know, a long time ago. But the, the downside of all this, the low barrier to entry, is that it, there's just a lot more competition. Um, so I would, I mean, I've, I've always thought that having a, you know, a higher pricing on, you know, paying higher pricing for, you know, Facebook ad or, or Google ads or things like that is a, just a sign that you just have to get better and it just improves and it and just Im- improves your business if you just have to get better all the time. I mean, that's kind of what, you know, the benefit of having competitions is it just forces you to get better. Yeah, I, I would agree with that, and and specifically with creative. So a lot of the biggest, a lot of the changes that have happened in the last year, year and a half, both on the like Google advertising side, Facebook advertising side, have gone have really taken the the levers that used to have, and the levers you used to have were around targeting, and they've kind of they've kind of been moving in the direction. We know the direction that Facebook is going and Google is going, that you're going to set your budget and you're going to set your creative and they're going to put those ads in front of the people who they believe are the most likely to convert. So where a lot of the pressure is now and going forward and people who are doing really well, they're the ones that are able to create compelling creative that stops people's thumbs as they're scrolling through uh, through a feed. Those are the ones that are winning, and that's where a lot of the competition is. It's on where you have to step your game up and, and do a better job. It's around the brand and creative side of the business and attention grabbing side of the business because that's where you said competition has gone up, barrier to entry to starting a business has gone down. Shopify is now prolific. They're growing so fast and they're doing incredible things. Anybody can turn around. Anybody with the decent tech skills can can start on a Friday afternoon and have a Shopify site up and running by Sunday afternoon. And that means that uh, you need to just do things a little bit better if you're going to be noticed and uh, be able to compete in the paid social space in 2019. Yeah, totally agree. So the second thing that you focus on, the first being scaling advertising, the second is hiring. Uh, what, 
what positions are just absolutely needed or that you focus on? Yeah. So this is, this is a, I think hiring is so fascinating and, and, and interesting because every single business, if you decide you're going to grow, is going to deal with hiring at some point. And where I, I see a lot of people struggle, especially in this e-commerce space. And my, my, the way that I look at e-commerce and the way I look at building a brand is all these platforms that we've talked about, like Shopify, Clavy, all these platforms are making it easier for you to deliver your message to your customer or prospective customer. And they're making it easier to, to, to start stores. And so when it comes down to it, we have you know th- third-party fulfillment, for example, which can ship out products. When it comes down to it, you are just... Where, where your strategic advantage is, is in your marketing. Because all the other stuff is starting to get taken care of by these third parties. So you can just build a really good marketing company where I feel like a lot of companies struggle is to hire good marketers and, um, and, and to, to attract the right people that fit into their business. And so as you're growing and you're starting to just kind of scale up your business and let's say you've got, um, you know, you've got traction and you're, you're realizing that a lot of the stuff that you're doing is starting to work. Well, what happens is it becomes almost a full-time job it becomes a full-time job to do the marketing that you need to do to be able to continue your growth and that means the consistent things updating facebook ads um sending out emails updating google adwords posting on amazon all those different things that are generally marketing roles so where I feel like a lot of people struggle is hiring kind of marketing, really solid marketing generalists, people who can come in and, and take over the roles that as a founder, you're probably doing yourself. Uh, so I, that, that, that's one, one role I focus on, um, kind of helping people get, get started to hire that first person who's going to be like your, your mini you as a founder who's going to come over and come in and take over a lot of the roles that you, you take over yourself. Okay. Yeah. I mean, it's very, very important to try to replace yourself uh, so that you can focus on what you do best and what you, you know, the vision, be the visionary type person for the organization. The third thing that you focus on is driving repeat sales. It's so important, but why is it so important? Well, it's important because that's where a lot of your profit is. <laughs> you know, uh, we, we talked going back to the first one of the first things we talked about was the rising costs on Facebook, Instagram, Google, all these different channels. So traffic's becoming more expensive. So that what that does is it makes it even more important to drive repeat sales and to have repeat sales that come back at a low cost of reacquisition. So one of the the reasons that I'm really interested and I'm focused on a channel like email is it's not pay-per-click, right? You can send out an email and it's a flat fee that you pay per month uh, to send out the number of emails that you're going to send out. So if if you send one email or you send 30 emails, you're probably going to pay about the same amount depending on what what platform you're on. And to give you an example, I always think of like leverage and uh, and, and how much 
you need to spend to drive traffic. I was working with a client this last week and they were doing about, oh, I don't know how much they're doing. Well, in the last 90 days, they did around $600,000 in email revenue. And over those 90 days, they spent $1,800 in email fees, right? So the return on their money invested in the channel of email was insanely high, $1,800 to generate $600,000. Now think about that and compare that to paid social. You're not going to get a return like that. You're lucky if you get a 2x return. And right. so um, my, the, one of the reasons I focus on email and repeat customers is because all those sales that come from email, you're not spending very much to reacquire these customers. And so your profit per order is going to be much, much higher uh, on, a, on a channel like email than, on a, than driving through these, you know, the big, big three, Facebook, Instagram, or Facebook, uh, Google, Amazon. Yeah, Totally. I mean, it is so much cheaper to keep a customer than it is to acquire a new customer. Very, so much cheaper. Yes. What do you believe makes somebody that's successful at e-commerce? What separates somebody that's successful at e-commerce from somebody that's just always struggling? Is there, is there a one thing? So I, I I don't, well, yes, there is a, there is a one thing and that that's definitely mindset, right? And when I say mindset, I think that spending time right off the bat, it's a really tough question to say what, what is, what makes some people successful and others not successful. I think that the one mm-hmm. number one thing that makes you successful is defining your vision and your version of success. Um, I truly, truly believe that's, it starts there and starts number one, uh, defining what is success to you. And I think where people fall into a trap or where they f- maybe might be struggling is by not defining what success looks like to them and measuring by other people's standards. Because there are people that I've worked with, business owners that I've worked with, that have you know businesses doing a couple million dollars a year that are highly profitable. They support their lifestyle. They, you know, they travel and they've got a team that is able to continue to run operations while they're out of the country. I have a client right now who just emailed me. He's in Scotland and uh, he's there with his wife and they've got the team and they're running the business. And you know, it's a, it's a business that is probably not going to have, I mean, I know it's not going to have a massive exit, but it is a extremely successful business by his own standards by my own standards, but but really, what matters is his own standards, the owner's standards, and I feel like that starts. It starts there. You you got to define what you want to create, and if that's a a business that is a hundred million dollars and is growing as fast as possible, that's one thing you can think of. That, yeah, that that's one version of success, or that could be the lifestyle, the business that supports your lifestyle, that generates cash month in and month out, allows you to live a life of freedom. Whatever you decide success is, that is up to you. And and I think that that is the defining factor. But the mindset is the defining factor between the entrepreneurs that struggle and the ones that don't. And just getting clarity around what your version of success is. Yeah. I mean, I, I, I totally agree with you. I mean, what you said earlier, 
so many business owners compare themselves to other business owners. And it's just what you see on the surface is is usually not reality. No, it doesn't reflect. It does not reflect reality. No. <laughs> and it, ultimately, like we are all complicated creatures and we don't, we're terrible predictors of our own, uh, our own happiness. And so um, you combine that in a, in a society where you can look at, you know, people are posting vanity metrics around sales all the time. And that, that really doesn't reflect it doesn't reflect kind of like overall healthiness in the business or internal healthiness and happiness. Totally. I mean, yeah, this, I've seen so many times where people will, will brag that they have a seven figure business. I mean, that meaning they're making more than a million dollars in sales, but they're not keeping it. They're not keeping 99.9% of it. What's the point? I mean, other than to brag to people that don't know that you don't know that you have a seven figure business, they, the whole point of a business is to create your, just like you said, to create a, a lifestyle or a vision that you want. And, you know, most people's vision needs to be supported by, you know, having your business uh, create some sort of cash, cash, you know, cash, what's called cash flow. Just So it doesn't matter how much you make, it matters how much you keep in the bank. So, uh, and the cash is the keeping part. You've got to keep as much as possible so that you can use it to reinvest back in your business, to, to hire more, you know, like you said, marketing people, to save for retirement, to give it to charity. It doesn't matter. Your business is, need, needs to create cash flow. And that's the mistake that people make is they don't, they're, they're focused, just like you said, on vanity things vanity metrics a hundred percent and it, you know it's very easy to fall into you know, i think every entrepreneur every business owner entrepreneur at some point falls into it or has an experience where they realize that what they're shooting for isn't exactly maybe healthy or isn't going to be supportive of the business might you know the first i was talking about earlier how i built an agency and our, mm-hmm. a lot of the goals that we uh, had with the agency were, they were revenue goals. They were revenue goals. It was grow as fast as we can uh, without any real thought around profit margin or, um, you know, making clear marketing budgets on how much we could spend, you know, monthly to uh, you know, comfortably to w- keep the business growing and have enough cash to, to, to pay everybody. So, Ultimately, like we ran into to consistent months where we would we'd run out of money or get very, very close. And it's, it's super stressful when you have that experience. And back to your original question, which is, you know, what's the difference between business owners that struggle and the ones that are successful? I think cash flow management is a huge, huge part of whether or not you're going to enjoy your business. Or constantly be in a state of stress, because running out of money is is the, one of the most stressful things you can you can deal with. And until you have a clear picture of how you want to manage your finances and what's comfortable for you, what percentage of pre tax net income you want to keep, it can get really it can get really stressful really quickly. And so. I don't know. I think that that if we go back to try to distill it down to one one or two things, it's like having that clear picture about how much money you want to keep uh, and making your decisions uh, 
with that in mind versus just going for all out growth at all times um, will probably keep you in a, in the position where you, you sleep better at night, which again is when you define your level of success, what is, what is success if you can't sleep at night? Oh man, you hit the nail on the head. I mean, having a peace of mind is so underrated. Totally. I mean, we, we can all be business owners and entrepreneurs and, and whatnot and still have a peace of mind and sleep better. Totally agree with you. We don't have to be stressed all the time. Like the, the world thinks we are. We don't have to be giant risk takers we can be methodical risk takers yeah totally yeah, agree with you. yeah and, that, and that's not really what the world is telling you right that's not what the, the the popular narrative is it's these swashbuckling entrepreneur but that you know i listened to an interview with joe rogan and elon musk and there's a, a big one of his big quotes was oh you know they asked him like uh, joe asked him about his life and he's like oh i don't think many people would want to be like live like me and yeah, it sounds like his life is incredibly stressful. It, it, and when you're defining that version of success for yourself, I can tell you right now that when people are envisioning what it's like to own their own business, a lot of times it comes back to freedom, freedom being the, the lever that they want to pull by starting their own business. And that freedom, most people's version of freedom doesn't include waking up at 3 a.m. In a, in a sweat because you're freaked out about losing, you know, running out of money. Absolutely. I mean, it, you, it's a freedom of, of being able to make what you want, but it's also a freedom of, of time and, and having that peace of mind. And you're absolutely right. You cannot have the freedom, the mental freedom, much less the physical freedom, you know, to, to work when you want or whatnot. If you, if you can't sleep at night, if you can't, you don't have that peace of mind knowing that your business is not only surviving but thriving absolutely right the uh so last question where do you see e-commerce going in the future uh that that's a uh, a question that i think about think about a lot and um you know i, I think uh, think about it in a, in a couple of different ways so i think the maybe the best filter to look at it is where is e-commerce going for the business owner? Because I think that's going to be the most relevant for uh, listeners. And it's probably the the way I think about it, the filter that I think about uh, the most. And so when I think about where is it going for the business owner, I think a lot of the things that have been working over the past five years uh, a lot of the a lot of the opportunities that are more of the arbitrage type opportunities are going to be going away. We're already seeing that happen. We're seeing drop shipping as a model really being extinguished kind of across the board. We're seeing what you know Facebook is Facebook's doing their own quality control on ads and products that are running on each on, on their platform. So they're now they're now surveying customers who have bought from your brand and asking them their experience with your brand and then altering the amount you have to pay to advertise in their platform based on the experience that a customer had with your product, not with their product. So it's, it's really quite interesting. And with those types of changes, right, we're going to be seeing the traditional kind of drop shipping model uh, going away, especially 
if your shipping time is is it mash up with what people are universally accepting around you know two days is the amount of time that you would need uh, between placing an order and a product arriving i think we're going to be moving in a in a the companies that are going to continue to win are the ones that allow for you, allow for you to create unique personalized uh, experiences. Um, the, the, the companies that I'm most excited about over the next five years are the ones that are allowing you to do the things that to purchase the things that you that we've been purchasing previously, but do it in a unique, cool way. And that, that could be taking something that you, um, you know, you kind of take for granted and then taking it to the next level. Let me give you a, a specific example of that. So we now, everybody buys clothing, t-shirts, dress shirts, you know, company like Bonobos came out, I don't know how many years ago, eight years ago. And they kind of like revolutionized the way that we were thinking about buying pants company going forward we're only going to demand more personalization and customization so companies that allow you to buy things like clothing that is personalized uh, that's something that is going to be continue to grow there's going to be continued demand for that sort of thing it's also something where where they're not really competing with amazon because a lot of the companies that, that have commodity type products that don't it doesn't really matter what the brand is that you're purchasing is will continue to be dominated by Amazon. And there's going to be a kind of worldwide influx of competitors in products like iPhone cords or um, batteries or utility products that don't have style, just the basics that, that people typically need. So, I continue to see massive growth and people being more comfortable buying stuff online, but just as a business owner, you know, kind of, I'm, I'm always thinking, how do we, how do we get more custom? How do we do things in a way that um, provides a customer with a significantly better experience than what they're getting right now? Uh, Because that's what, you know, there's increasing demand for better experiences. 100% agree. I mean, so the, the moral of this story is do not be a commodity. <laughs> Either your brand or your product, don't be a commodity. Exactly, exactly. And, and you know, don't like feel free to, I think a, a good strategy for a lot of people is to get big by staying small. What I mean by that is like continue to share personal things and leverage the power of email, leverage the power of, of advertising to be able to tell human stories and grow using that you know you don't have to become a big soulless brand in fact that i think is the power of uh, that's a competitive advantage for a lot of brands it's it's selling a lot and growing quickly by having a personal human message that you know you can compete with the companies like hugo boss that are just pumping out Clothes, you could have a personal touch that's shared direct to the consumer uh, through some of these channels that we have been able to unlock communication channels. Yeah, totally. Well, Austin, this has been really good info. I really appreciate you coming on the show. Where can people find you? 
Yeah, no, no problem. So I, I actually also host a podcast uh, called the e-commerce influence podcast. And we t- basically share advanced traffic and conversion strategies for established e-commerce pr- businesses. Uh, so you can check that out at the e-commerce influence, ecommerceinfluence.com or just iTunes e-commerce influence. Um, and then my business is called brand growth experts. And I have a, um, a community of established e-commerce businesses called it's called the coalition and uh, i work with i do coaching for businesses that are kind of six figures and above and help them with some of the stuff we talked about today hiring and that sort of thing so if you want to check that out you can go to brandgrowthexperts.com perfect so we'll put those those things in the show notes the in the e-commerce influence podcast uh, and the brand growth experts where you can learn more about the coalition. Man, Austin, this has been great. Thank you so much for coming on the show. Thanks, Adam, for having me. I really appreciate it. And uh, good luck with the show. Yeah, I really appreciate you hosting me. The P is for Profit podcast is sponsored by the CFO Project. We help small business owners and entrepreneurs pocket bigger profits. If you're ready to discover the five changes required to boost your profits this quarter, you'll want to attend our latest presentation, Why Your Small Business Might Not Be As Profitable As It Should Be. Register at the CFOproject.com slash video.